The Business on RT Radio 1 with AIB. We know that your focus is on your business. That's why ours is on supporting you. Now, of course, the the migrants arriving on these shores are looking for better work, better money and a better life for themselves and their families. Diversity and inclusivity within our workplaces has become much more of an issue within the last number of years. And we're joined now by a woman whose company, although only a few years old, has made remarkable inroads in that area. Sandra Healy is the founder and CEO of Inclusio. I'm saying it right. Am I Inclusio, Sandra? You are indeed, Richard. Thanks. You're very welcome to the the programme. First of all, what what does the company do? Well, Richard, we set out to solve one of the biggest challenges addressing employers across the globe, and that's how do you measure culture? So when we think about culture in the workplace, what makes it really difficult to measure is the fact that it's not tangible. Uh, so that makes it very difficult uh, for, for us to measure. And uh, when I describe culture, I describe it as the way we do things around here. So it is in the collective behaviours and how people interact and how they engage with each other and how how they get things done in the workplace. So culture is right across the board in an organisation, but in relation to diversity and inclusion, I suppose it's one thing to try and measure the level of diversity or inclusion you know you have in in your company and then it's another to say well if we're if we're not doing very well on this what are we going to do about it and to try and incorporate something from that in a, how you hire new people and then B, how you interact with and engage with the people who already work for you. Yeah, and that's the biggest challenge we found in our research, uh, Richard. So we started in Dublin City University. I spun, spun the idea for Inclusio into the university and we did research with over 35 global companies to understand what's the problem we're trying to solve. And what the organisations told us is we really struggle to collect the diversity data. We want to be reflective of our customers and our communities, but we don't know who we have in the organisation. The second thing they said to us is we think we're doing really good work in diversity and inclusion, but we don't know if we're doing the right things in the right areas. And then when we spoke to the employees in those companies, they said to us, we don't like disclosing personal things about ourselves and having that attached to our records. And they said we do have opportunities through annual engagement surveys and other mechanisms to speak up. Uh, but generally, we don't trust the confidentiality of them. So well, we, can, we can get back to uh, the company and the future prospects for it shortly. But I want to go back to the start. In At its core, what you do is you must have yourself a kind of a sense of fairness that there is a fairness that should operate in in a in a person's workplace and where do you think that comes from do you think it's your own background growing up you're from dublin i am i'm from dublin uh, i grew up in beaumont uh, if i think about my early days i i would say fairness is is my one of my core values and i think it's it has where did that come from uh, I don't, it's hard to know. I suppose I think the people around me in my early life were fair and uh, I think that that's, it's just a value. If I think about where do our values and beliefs come from, it is from around, you know, we're influenced by our family and our, our communities and the societies that we grow up in. I think if I was to think about my early days, uh, my mother and father split up uh, back in the 80s. Uh, there, there was four kids. So there was myself and my mother who was seen as a single parent at that point. Uh, and I would say that... And that was really a thing at that time, yeah. wasn't it, in terms of perception? Yeah. And was that something that you were very aware of or you, you, you might have even been sort of reminded of by comments people would make? Yeah, I, I don't think... I think that the 1980s in Ireland, there was a lot of judgment and in particular a lot of judgment around single parents. And I don't think 
people considered some people considered the the circumstances that created that environment. I certainly know I was very aware from a young age uh, the impact it had on my mother, for example. Uh, like she had to find a full time job and try and figure out, right, how is she going to keep things going? Thankfully, she had a really good family support system around her that were able to help her, you know, look after us. And, and I I often re- remember and, and talk about how lucky I was that in the summertime, because she worked full time, uh, we had people in the country who took us. So I spent half my life uh, working on a farm. She was the, busy working. What kind of work did she do? Uh, she worked in accounts and uh, and bookkeeping. That was her, her job. And she had a real um, get up and go because when you were in your late teens, she decided to go to Canada. That's right. Uh, I I often remember, uh, uh, and at that time, like I was quite young, but I was very conscious. I remember actually sitting at the table with my mother at the consulate, uh, having the conversation about why she wanted to go to Canada. And even in that moment, I, I thought to myself, this is absolutely remarkable that a woman with four kids uh, on her own is sitting here having this conversation. And she actually got her, her visa and uh, we got visas as well to go at that time. And it was remarkable, but I think it was because of her tenacity and her history of just, you know, not sitting down, just being able to kind of say, right, this is the reality of the circumstances and I need to pick pick things up and And you, forward. at that age, you, you were a young adult, you, you decided to stay and your granddad became a very important figure for you. Well, my granddad was an important figure for my whole life. Uh, I would say, you know, my granddad used to work in All Hallows College and uh, I, I have a, a photograph of him, a black and white photograph of him sitting on his Lambretta when he was like 19 years of age in, in the college. And he went in there at the beginning and he retired as the head chef in All Hallows College. And my granddad, after work every day, came. He was at our house. Uh, he taught me how to drive. I described that he taught me how to paint, how to wallpaper. So all the things that you would do with your dad, I did. I was very fortunate to do with my grandfather. So uh, I, I was lucky. I don't ever feel like there was anything missing in my life because he was there. And when it came to career, did you know what you wanted to do? Because one of the first jobs you got was in London. You went to London, you worked in Harrods. Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting one. I, you know, the question about what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And, and I do a lot of work with young people coaching and, and it can be very stressful when you're young thinking that you have to make a big decision. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I always had an interest and a passion around people and psychology, uh, but I didn't feel I was ready for it. Um, but my father's family, interesting, were all in, in printing and graphic design. So I thought to myself, well, there must be something in the blood with that. Um, so I actually studied printing and graphic design uh, and I there was no email at the time, giving away my age there. I actually wrote I wrote a letter to Harrods and said, look, I know you're setting up a graphic design studio. If you need somebody to help you with that, uh, I'm here. And I went for the interview and a month later I was in there. So you just wrote to them and said, I actually, this is me, I might be of help here. Yeah, well, well, I was actually working in Selfridges in the graphic design studio at the time on contract and they came in to have a look around. So I knew that there was an opportunity there. So, so again, it's interesting the business inclusio and diversity. Harrods would have been a very diverse workplace, I'd imagine. It was like a lot of people don't know that like there was three and a half thousand people at that time worked in Harrods. uh, And and I think I'd say about a thousand of them were Irish, which was very interesting. It was a very diverse uh, workplace and a very vibrant workplace. I absolutely loved it. Like uh, part of my work was working uh, with the window dressers. So I would mock up on the computer their designs before we'd send them out to be made up. 
So part of my job every day was walking around the store as they picked out the different materials and carpets and, you know, outfits they were going to put in the window. And then we'd mock that up. And then, you know, six months later, that would be in the window. Like it was an absolutely it was a very exciting job. But yeah, every day we interacted with all of those people. We supported them right across the store. And somewhere along the line, you, you were always interested in psychology, how people how people thought, why people do things they do. And you, you became more and more interested in that and you were reading about it. And you went on then to, to study psychology and you would have been uh, relatively late in life. I mean, you, you were, you were um, a mature student. I was, yeah. I, I always had an interest in psychology, but I just wasn't sure if I was going to be capable for a third level. So um, I took some time out in my life and I went travelling for a year. And in that time, I came when I came back, I made the decision that now is the time for me to study uh, and, and study psychology. And I did a year, a part time year of an access to higher education while I was in the UK. And uh, and I made a decision then that I was going to study uh, psychology. So it was uh, uh, my passion actually was um, abnormal psychology. And I would say that I've probably read more <laughs> than I would in a master's around abnormal psychology. But that's actually not what I ended up specialising in. <laughs> We're all a bit abnormal. I said, have we you come are. to that conclusion? <laughs> I have indeed. Yeah, I think we all have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, you did a master's in psychology as well. You would have been in, in, in your 30s undergrad, 40s doing the master's. I was in, in my 40s doing the master's. Yeah, I stu- my, studied my master's master's in organisational psychology. So that's really the background for Inclusio. Uh, it's where where this where the science came to me that's in Inclusio. You know, how do we combine the technology and the science together? And, you and know, where, where did the Inclusio idea then come from specifically? What what prompted you to set it up? And it was through DCU because it would have been connected to the, the yeah. university. So so I was studying, I was working in Vodafone Ireland at the time and uh, I was studying the Masters in Organisational Psychology. And I've been involved in diversity and inclusion for probably about 18 years. And what I realised is I had really clear KPIs on one part of the work I was doing in sales. And These are the performance indicators. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the performance indicators. But I had no way to evidence the very meaningful work I was doing in diversity and inclusion. And yet here I was learning all about the science around how you measure people and measure uh, culture in work. And that got me thinking that there has to be a way to combine the technology and the science together to bring that evidence-based approach to measuring uh, culture and diversity. So how Inclusio works then? It's about measuring culture and diversity. How how does it do that? Yeah, so I think it's back to the fairness piece again. So through our research, uh, what we found is that, you know, people don't like speaking up in work and they worry about what's, what, what impact is that going to have on my career. So for me, I wanted to make sure that everybody had a voice. And that's what Inclusio is about. So essentially, we've built a software that looks and feels like software you use in your everyday life. But it gives every employee in in the organization the opportunity to confidentially give their feedback on the culture, to confidentially give their diversity data. And also then we have uh, learning, so micro learning, where they get to learn what it's like for people who are different from themselves. And what happens is... Uh, everybody gets an opportunity to do it and we get exceptionally high levels of participation. That's one of the things we've learned. And what do you see from it, Sandra? What what comes across when you get access to, in a way, it's done obviously confidential, confidentially, yep. but you're getting access to the stories or thoughts behind people's lives as well as just exactly. doing their job. 
Yeah. So so when we collect the the so people give us feedback on their day to day experiences and everything, it, it, they're called protected characteristics. We might not know that term, but things like gender, uh, race, ethnicity, uh, sexuality. So things like so those per- very personal aspects of our lives. And what what's what would be termed neurodiversity? A neurodiversity. Yeah. We also very interesting. One of the things we saw uh, change through COVID is pet ownership went from 12% to 19%. Uh, And interestingly, what we found uh, from talking to clients in Canada, that throughout COVID in Canada, they collected plants. (laughs) So it was a slightly different take on it. But for people and and that idea of neurodiversity, you you would get a sense of what what for you, how would you describe neurodiversity among people in in an organisation? Yeah, so neurodiversity is the inclusive term for things like dyslexia, dyspraxia, autism and and different uh, different ways of thinking and and uh, perceiving the world. So what kind of I don't mean to bring it all down to percentages, but, but what kind what kinds of percentages of yep. people in workforces are neurodiverse? Well, what we are finding, and and it's the most comprehensive data in the world, uh, is that we have not had an organisation with any less than 12% of people self-identify as neurodiverse. And that's... That data, it doesn't exist where we actually we have a project now. We'll have some publications with Stanford University this year because we have the most comprehensive data set because it's we don't just understand uh, what people there's how they self identify. We're also able to look at how they experience the culture and how they experience the culture and their interactions with their managers Uh, in a different way. And you learn about their lives as well, because there's interesting figures around how many people, for example, have adult dependents at home, people they're, they're taking care of. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. We do. We ask a question around uh, dependent adults. And again, it's something that we've seen grown like no less than 10 percent in each organisation. And we help then organisations build their policies and practices around that to make sure that they're supporting those people that have additional caring responsibilities, because sometimes that's overlooked. And, and it is something that needs to be brought into practice. And finally, it is a business. It's a growing business. You you raised funding. How much money did you raise? Uh, we've raised over 6.2 million altogether. And where do you want to take the company? Where would you like it to be in five or seven years from now? Well, we want to be the, the, the number one platform for measuring culture. And the fact that we've brought the science to it means that we're able to do benchmarking. So we have a lot of insurance companies and financial services companies, and we help them respond to the regulator because they're able, we're able to stand over the data because it is science based. OK, well, Sandra Healy, founder of Inclusio, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. Thank you.